This podcast should not be considered as medical advice. If you are looking for medical advice, please contact a licensed physician. But do find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the Common Collective as well as why the Common Collective resists new information. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will not get either comfort or truth. Only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair. C.S. Lewis So I was visiting with a friend of mine about one of our recent podcast episodes. We had aired a clip from a Canadian naturopath who had relayed her thoughts on the pandemic with intense detail. The two of us communicate openly, and we both realize we aren't going to agree on everything, which is a funny thing to say out loud, because there's literally no one that you know who agrees with you on everything. In fact, I think you may be amazed at how differently most of your close friends view many different subjects. Now, he had mentioned that her message and her communication style were not one that resonated with him. He likes calm, rational arguments being made where no unnecessary emotional pleas were being made. I'm not sure that's exactly how he put it, but that's how I consumed it. I do think that's a fair stance, but I wonder about the premise overall. Is someone who dictates how information is disseminated to them saying more about themselves rather than the person who is communicating? I potentially consumed my friend's thoughts on the speaker in, or sorry, I potentially could have consumed my thoughts on the speaker incorrectly, but I'm not really talking about my friend with these thoughts I'm reading, uh, that I'm reading through here. What I'm thinking about is discomfort. Do we as people push away the things that cause discomfort? Well, of course we do. Why would we want to be uncomfortable? So that makes sense, right? But I also know that discomfort is there for a reason. For me, discomfort is the alarm. It's blaring and saying, you've got some shit you have to deal with here. But what is interesting now, compared to just a couple of years ago, is that one of the things that makes us uncomfortable is also becoming unavoidable. You see, most things are discomforts of convenience. They are more conversational and not necessarily impeding our normal daily routine, nor do they keep us from our chosen distractions of hobby or play. They are typically philosophical in nature. But the pandemic is different. The powers that be work to reshape our reality and create obstacles that push us all into difficult decisions. So when we are faced with the potential truth that points to structures and dogma that reinforce how this could actually be real, it's obviously uncomfortable. Those who provide this message could shine it up a bit and tie a nice bow around it so that it's not so off-putting, but is that really what we need? Or is the only thing that can wake us from our slumber of comfort a sharp jolt of the opposite? 
And as I told my friend, it won't be for everyone. Some are too invested in the story of the movie to see the men directing it behind the camera, and that's fine too. Run toward your discomfort, though. Peel back the data. Leave the story of the emotion and tone and deal with the threads that are there. Everything else is just entertainment. Putting this all together provides clarity so you'll know exactly when you are needed. It will allow you to see where you are being sold so you can decide if you are still going to buy. It also provides a focus around what is important. In fact, discomfort is very good at that. Discomfort is where it's at. But we all already knew that, didn't we? Fabi, how are you doing today? I am good, Leo. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What did you, uh, uh, I'd like the quote you read. That was C.S. Lewis. Yeah. Would you be able to like turn down my Your, uh, audio? It's really uh, loud. Uh, let's see here. Tell me if that, does that work for you? Hello. 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 Okay. Yeah, that's good. It's better. Okay. Yeah. I'm doing great. Uh, we had a lovely weekend. Yeah, it, they keep going by pretty damn fast. Yes, though. yes. We're making definitely progress in putting our lives back together. Slowly but surely. A painting is not something that comes uh, quickly for me. <laughs> well, I'm just supervising. But what, what, what are your thoughts, though? I, I, you didn't hear my little prelude there. I like to drop those where you can kind of collect your thoughts as you're hearing them for the first time. But mm-hmm. I did th- think it was a little bit apropos with the quote that you found today that you wanted to read in conjunction there. Yes. Um, it's. I remember the first time that we started hearing about... I mean, we always knew there was government corruption, right? I think I grew up my whole life hearing... Yeah, I mean, you live in Brazil. I mean, come on, it's, it's stylish corruption. down there, yeah. you know? <laughs> It's gangster. <laughs> so to me, it's a little bit like I'm desensitized and it's kind of normalized, you know, that in a third world country, you you just expect, you know, corruption. But I always had this idea of this country here being, you know, uh, the first world, right? The most powerful nation and... Thinking here people didn't starve, thinking here there was no corruption, people didn't throw garbage <laughs> on the street. And then it's interesting to, to talk to my fellow um, Brazilians and they just don't believe me when they say there's rotten things happening in this country too. And now we can see it's pretty much uh, systemic, right? It's all around the world and all these... Um, all these countries and all these governments are pretty much in lockstep. I remember in another episode that we recorded, we talked about, man, if these governments could can do this in lockstep, you know, lock people down and uh, shove, you know, vaccines down their population's throats or shoot it in their veins, why can't they do things for the betterment of humanity. Yeah, there was an interesting uh, uh, meme I saw this week was uh, was like a, a short message to the billionaires, you know, saying, "Well, how come a billionaire doesn't just uh, solve, you know, uh, world hunger?" Because you know we've we've established that uh, 
what it would take to do that and the amount of money that's being invested in uh, certainly around uh, global vaccination and everything you know makes the number that would solve world hunger actually uh, be very small by comparison but uh, you know we don't hear about that you know and then you and i were talking about the thing about you know why they 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 give these vaccines to these these poor areas but they're not really diverting you know energy to build these these places up right mm-hmm. because they're saying oh that Provide actually them with clean water and 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 food and education yeah you, you have a lot of these small organizations which do this you know at a very limited capacity but you know from the the scale that they're pushing out you know these shots uh you know what you could do from an infrastructure standpoint in these places would blow you away but they're not even attempting to do that um but you know what, what did you want to say if we could even break it down to a more simple more um What's happening here today, we just heard from the president and his press secretary that they're going to start this initiative where, you know, FEMA or, you know, taxpayer dollars are going to go to pay for these people to go door to door asking people their immunization status or, you know, try to maybe persuade them or bring uh accurate information to them why can't they bring a basket of food for the poor and the hungry or (laughs) one of the memes you had was even funnier like why don't you just ask people who did they vote for yeah 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 (laughs) yeah. score (laughs) i thought that was pretty it would be interesting but 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 going back to your question about the discomfort you know thinking of breaking this open what's happening today breaking this open is extremely uncomfortable and it can be extremely scary because it's almost like the world that you believed in and the world that you lived in, the freedoms you enjoyed as a young person, like you could travel all over the world, you could um, be out with your friends, you could go to movies, you could go to concerts, and we really didn't have a care in the world growing up and now thinking of our children and how the world is turning into it's going to be so much different for them with technology and the control that technology allows you know the surveillance that technology allows and everything that's unfolding based on the pandemic and theoretical virus first it was the you know, the 2000s, the war on terrorism, and then now going through an airport, you know, it's just a nightmare because they pat you down or have you gone through machines that, sh- you know, show <laughs> people, you know, what's under your clothes. And then after that, it was a global warming and what we had to do for that. And now it's the the magic virus. So. Well, and I think that... Uh something that's become very apparent to me and we've talked about it a little bit before is just you know the level of detail from like what we consume you know how can you you know if you would if you would have gone back to when we first were married you know what i mean in and what we used to spend uh our evenings doing you know watching netflix shows mm-hmm. and things of that nature i feel like i'm getting a a little bit of a reverb or something are you picking that up kind of a a little bit. A little bit. I don't know what that's coming from. Um, maybe that won't come through on the recording. But <laughs> <laughs> um, but what I notice is, 
that uh, it's like it's like in a lot of ways it's like a full time job to to keep up and 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 I know most mm-hmm. people aren't going to do that right yeah. um, and they're maybe they're going to say look we're just going to cross our fingers you know what I mean yeah. and we're going to hope that this just comes out and then we're going to focus on what we do want to focus on mm-hmm. and that's fair you know that's completely and fair that's too. fine too and people different people have different roles in this that's yeah. true that's true right you know we all are are, are uh, serving a purpose and not everybody's going to be um you know at the front line of this you know mm-hmm. but i do think that uh, people do need a little bit of knowledge just to kind of understand you know that this ecosystem is there or they know that what what is capable of happening because um you know one of the quotes we were talking about or, or we don't have the quote exactly but remember uh Catherine austin fitz was talking with dr cowan um in an interview they did on his podcast and um at least i think it might have been rfk's podcast but it was her for certain but you know she was saying that that uh, you know like the reason like the the uh the settlers were able to eventually overtake the uh, the Indians here in America mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, not because the Indians couldn't defend themselves. It was really because the Indians uh, just couldn't comprehend what the settlers were willing to do mm-hmm. in order to overtake them. You know, they had a certain understanding of what was typical warfare or you know mm-hmm. what i mean or 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 typical conflict mm-hmm. and they had no idea of what would happen you know they used the example of you know the blankets with the smallpox or whatever and they just weren't thinking of that 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 mm-hmm. was even in the 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 cards um and that that is to use right because you're saying they were giving blankets like oh we're helping you here mm-hmm. we're helping you yeah it's the same context it's right it's the same uh it, tactics yeah, it, and it, strategy it's a it's a it's much larger scale but it's the same thing you know we talk about what's going on with the uh the great reset the world economic forum you know they wrap all of this in you know we're doing this to attack climate change Cla- and inequities you know, in the world quality and but so it, it it's really intriguing and so you know today we wanted to take a look we, we said that we were going to kind of break into the great reset we're going to break into some of the structures behind this that are organizing this because i do think that um any one of the storylines that are happening in uh, uh, this whole pandemic are interesting but in and of it themselves they don't seem like they make a fire you know what i mean it's when you look at them all together and what i mean by that i'm saying you know if you you look at okay why are these cities forcing these lockdowns that are putting a lot of biz, small businesses out of business. Mm-hmm. You know, when, a quarter of uh, small businesses in America shut down. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I know that we're not so much in that pickle right at the moment anymore, but, but while they were doing it, you, you saw a ton of these businesses go out of business. And uh, they're still experiencing that in Canada and a lot of uh, European, uh, countries. Yeah, European countries. So, you know, why are they doing this? Because, you know, the science around um, how this thing spreads is showing that it doesn't matter, you know, whether people are locked down or not. And, and really, you and I know the, the, the story mm-hmm. behind that because we know it was never going to impact it either way because there isn't a, a, a virus, right? Mm-hmm. So and we're not looking at what could be. <laughs> yeah. But 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 uh, my my point though is when you look at some of these storylines together, like the like the the lockdowns, like the this 
this push around the vaccines. I mean, mm-hmm. just really not letting this go. Say, you know, not just putting Censoring it out there and saying any, it's available. Sending people door to door. Censoring know, any information that questions it. The ingredients are a little, still a little cloudy. We know that in the past, other vaccines, because these companies have no liability, you know, there's no. Um, checks and balances happening with this manufacturer. So uh, there are studies that have found that these vaccines had contaminants in them. Not these specific, but other vaccines had contaminants and they had things in them that nobody knew knew what they were even. So who is to say that this one that was rushed, at least the other ones, there's some more ears behind them as far as research. This one has like nothing <laughs> As far as research and who is to say what's in them? Well, but I mean, but I mean, then the the problems with the PCR testing, yeah. you know, the the fact that so many deaths are being recorded as COVID deaths when you know they were really we're caused mm-hmm. by uh, other comorbidities, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that the population is still increasing even though you're in a pandemic. Yeah, but I mean, there's should, that shouldn't happen. There are just so many uh, warning bells that these things statistically should not be happening at the same time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? In and of themselves, they're interesting, but maybe not the most compelling. But, but, but uh, you know, they could be chalked up to just, you know, poor management. But because these things are all happening together and they've been happening for some time now, it's not like we've only been in this pandemic for three months. I mean, we've been in this thing for well over a year and a half and they're just pushing along at the same pace under the same premise. Um, so those things all together kind of make us want to look at, at uh, uh, oh, another thing I mentioned is, you know, that a lot of these countries are really managing this the exact same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's interesting, too, because you know, all, all countries, they seem to do things differently across the board. But yeah. then when it comes to this pandemic, it just seems like they're, they're pushing it. They're in lockstep. Interesting choice of words there. Um, so we did want to start out. We wanted to play a clip from um, this was actually from the High Wire, most recent uh, episode of the High Wire from Dell Big Tree, right? This is the uh, Dr. Astrid uh, Stukeberger. She's a scientist and international health expert. Um, she's a former member of the Research Ethics Committee at the World Health Organization. And she, uh, uh, this is kind of a little prelude introducing her. She has a long interview, which we'll link to, but this is kind of her uh, setting up uh, uh, at least how she sees things. And, and, and she's obviously no longer with the WHO, mm-hmm. right? But she worked with them for many years, and she's been in uh, uh, world health and whatnot for, for many, many years. Um, so here, let's go ahead and play that clip. The pandemic is organized internationally in a systemic way. WHO, what I see now is that they don't communicate. They are dictating a will of not communicating. They are doing live presentations, very general, generalizing, changing words, changing definitions, not giving precise data, not giving precise science. And what is pretty, it's very shocking, is that all the medias in the world say the same thing same words in, in, in the newspapers and they are paying the media for producing what they want. The task force and the scientists that are built to lead this pseudo pandemic are actually helping the rhetoric of the press, the way the press wants, the way the government wants and uh, we don't have a debate. We have censorship. Censorship is the first you know, sign of a dictatorship. 
they censor doctors, they censor treatments that work. Uh, they go to, to pharmacies and they take the whole stock of Ivermectin that works really well. They go and stop scientific people from doing good data collection, saying it is not valid. And they put their own data that's completely in conflict of interest. So WHO, with the media, the main media, they have very well analyzed the system. And they're head of the International Telecommunication Agency. So you can put all this together and they have the whole system in their hands. Clearly. They want to uh, destroy a depopulation. They are trying to lock down the liberties of people. The freedom of people is really disturbing them. They want to annihilate any thinking and emotion and cognition. So I'm just, you know, calling people to wake up and take back your health. Don't believe in the government. They are, they are creating a perpetual pandemic. <laughs> So, yeah, like I said, that clip just, uh, that interview just aired um, this past week on... Uh, yeah, that actually was a clip from uh, an interview she did on Planet Lockdown, Planet Lockdown, yeah. And that was just a snippet, but then she had an interview about that, which that was about 45 oh, okay. minutes. And it was, uh, it was just explaining this... What happened to the who? The who didn't used to be like this. But something changed. And in that interview, she kind of explains that. And we're going to expand on that a little bit as we move along with our episode. Yeah. And so then uh, uh, there's also another gentleman by the name of Reiner Fuelmick, who is a uh, global fraud attorney. And uh, what's interesting about the two of them is that I actually caught a clip and we're going to play a piece of that clip here in a second but but uh i caught a clip uh back in march that was essentially him and some of the people in his group i think it's called oval media and they did an interview with her over um zoom and uh, uh she was breaking this all down at the time and it was really just blowing me away so as astra dr uh Stuckenberger, is that how you say? Stuckberger, yeah. Stuckberger. Um, she is a, a former Who whistleblower. That's basically what her role is. And she's been helping attorneys, lawyers and attorneys around the world to uncover, you know, who is behind, what is behind this whole thing, what are the connections. And um, this gentleman, what was her, his name again? Reiner. Reiner. He is actually suing uh, world governments over the PCR, the usage of the PCR test, which is the basis for the numbers, the deaths, and whatever else. As you know, as we all know, it's not a diagnostic tool; it's just a product that's patent and um, well, and just perpetuates this this uh, narrative. Well, let's take a quick listen to uh, to his his thoughts. Their behavior surprised you. Yeah, what what surprised me is how uh, f how careless we have been over the last ten or maybe twenty years, because mm -hmm. the encroachment of our individual rights has been going on for uh, for a lot longer. This is just uh, maybe the final stage of this plan because there is a plan behind this you know it, it, there must be a plan behind this when it turns out that the pandemic isn't a pandemic but it's just something like the common flu and when it turns out these people who are telling us about these pcr tests are lying to us so 
the, the next question, of course, is who's doing this for what purpose? And, and what do you think this is heading towards? What do you think is the goal? From what I've read, uh, and again, this is not important for our lawsuits, but from what I've read and the people who we talk to here on this committee, historians and journalists, um, this is the so-called Great Reset that uh, some very rich players uh, of the corporate world, including uh, Bill Gates, but also including uh, Klaus Schwab, he's using his uh, uh, World Economic Forum as a meeting forum uh, for the corporate elite, self-appointed corporate elite, and the self-appointed political elite to influence them, to manipulate them, to uh, basically lobby them. What the goal is, probably, probably um, population reduction is one of the goals, uh, so that the resources of the world will last longer for those who will survive this. That, in my opinion, is one of the goals, maybe the basic goal. So control and population, huh? Yeah, I think so. Some sort of managed reduction, huh? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Because you can read this. It's, they're, they're not doing this in hiding. Uh, it's, it's out there. I mean, I think their last week's, um, was it Newsweek's uh, article? Um, I think their cover shows uh, this eerie, ghostly person, uh, Klaus Schwab, who is one of the pe people who is behind this. And how, how, what do you say to people that are, are new to this or skeptical of this, haven't read this, all this material? Mm. <laughs> it depends. It depends on who you talk to. Like when we met out there, uh, I was speaking to a cab driver. This guy uh, is intelligent. Intelligence, I think, has nothing to do with if you have a law degree or a degree in, in, in medicine. But this guy is intelligent because he's asking questions. He wasn't wearing a mask, which was to me an invitation to talk to him, get a conversation going. And uh, we drove, he drove me here and took, took us about 10 minutes. But within these 10 minutes, uh, he began to ask me questions, sort of like what you're doing right now. And he was open-minded. But he was open-minded be, because he had already begun to ask himself questions. Some of the things that are going on don't make any sense to him, he says. And so I, uh, I think maybe I got, him, um, I got him interested in looking a little deeper and getting more information from the Internet because you can't get them from the mainstream media. As I said, they have been influenced in much the same way by these investors, Bill Gates and others' money, as the pharmaceutical and the um, tech industries. So again, that was Reiner Fulmick. He's a global fraud attorney. And um, I thought, what, what, what were you going to say? Oh, no, go ahead and say what you thought, because the, there, there was an interesting article about what he's talking about. Yeah, but I, mean, I, I, think, I think he's, uh, you know, you can tell. I mean, he, he's even just saying it, you know, he's, he's a little bit... Um, you know, worried. He, and this is for a planet lockdown, right? They, they're already somebody. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, we have to come to terms with the discomfort, right, mm -hmm. around this. And I think even him, who's an attorney, who's pushing forward on this, you Who know, has looked at all. He's the evidence. looked at the data, and he's like, yeah, we have it all here. We're just needing to, you know, go through the process and whatnot, and get it all out in the open. But, you know, just getting down in a recording you know it, it, it's it's uh, it's uncomfortable mm -hmm. and so he was talking about who might be behind it right and i just wanted to 
talk a little bit about Klaus Schwab and who he is. Um, there's there was an article in the New American called "What Is Build Back Better: Globalism," and it says Klaus Schwab's the founder and chairman of the Globalist World Economic Forum, is the head of a push to have a great reset of the world, a political and cultural revolution that is being promoted by numerous globalists worldwide, even the Catholic Pope. In an article entitled, Now is the Time for a Great Reset of Capitalism, after praising the radical changes to lifestyles that the world's citizens were willing to endure to fight COVID-19, Schwab said this willingness to change lifestyles must now translate into stronger and more effective governments so that government can control our food, forests, gender issues, mobility, human rights, pollution, manufacturing and production, employment, global health, economics, and many other areas, basically all areas of our lives. And in a short online video entitled Eight Predictions for the World in 2030 about what the Great Reset aims to achieve in the aftermath of COVID, we learned that the globalists mean to remove the United States from being the predominant predominant superpower, ensure that people own nothing and rent all goods from government, implement massive CO2 emission taxes to eliminate fossil fuels, greatly reduce meat consumption, and more. And, and, you know, a lot of these things, if we were to talk about these things two years ago, these would be the things people would be like, okay, you're nuts, you're nuts, you're nuts, you're crazy. But I mean, everything that has been crazy has come true with this pandemic you know Mm -hmm. it it, it just keeps going along and now they're so they're actually so flagrant about talking about it it's right out in the open you know they're not even mincing words now but this does bring us you know he mentioned bill gates in in uh, reiner's uh, clip i think you mentioned it briefly in there as well because he's Mm -hmm. funding a lot of this and so it brings us to this one clip which uh you know he's funding the who he's funding the who (laughs) he's he's one of the largest uh uh, he is the largest owner Okay. Yeah, he is. Well, I mean, I think we're Gavi. Right? We, we have, uh, I think, re-established that we are putting money in since Biden came into office. So I think oh, we're probably really? back to being the the biggest funder. Um, but uh, there was a TED talk that Bill gave. Um, this was in 2010, wasn't mm-hmm. it? And, February uh, of 2010. And it was quite interesting, and it actually sparked a lot of what you know people called conspiracy theories afterward. Yes. But I mean, let's go ahead and just listen to it, and then we can kind of uh, parse through what he's saying here in this. I'm going to talk today about energy and climate. And that might seem a bit surprising, because my full-time work at the Foundation is mostly about vaccines and seeds. We need to meet a new constraint. And that constraint has to do with CO2. CO2 is warming the planet. And the equation on CO2 is actually a a very straightforward one. If you sum up the CO2 that gets emitted, that leads to a temperature increase. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services, the energy, on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, Probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Uh, First, we've got population. Uh, The world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. 
Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, health care, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. So that's really the, the clip that, that gets a lot of play. And, uh, you know, if you, if you weren't paying attention there, he's saying, you know, if we do a good job with vaccines and uh, 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 health services and whatnot, mm-hmm. then we, we said can... managing, uh, what was it, um, reproduction? Reproduction, so then, then we can uh, actually get the number of people down. And mm-hmm. so, you know, obviously, when you and I think of vaccination, we think, okay, those are saving lives. I mean, at least the that's not what you and I think, but I mean, right. at least the, the, when I say we, I mean the, the public. Mm-hmm. You know, we think, okay, well, these are saving lives. So if we're saving lives, then how are we reducing the population? <laughs> yes, and, and I have had conversations with people about this this uh, TED Talk, and if you, you can listen to the whole talk. and We'll, we'll link to it, right? Yeah, we'll link it to the, the, the whole talk so you can listen because I have people like, did you actually listen to the whole talk? And and I'm like, yes, I have listened to the whole talk. And, and the interesting thing, again, going back to the blanket that was given to the Native Americans, you know, is he starts with, with really good intentions. And actually, this is a, a technique used by, like, FBI agents. Negotiators. When yeah. they're negotiating ransom and whatever else, you know, terrorists are doing, where they start with statements so that anyone would agree with those statements. And he starts the talk pretty much talking about poverty and how uh, nations in the first world countries um, get energy really cheap. And that's how they're able to to live life comfortably with hot water, clean water, uh, good food. Um, they can get from place to place. And so they enjoy all this. And the energy here is cheaper as in third world countries, energy is actually uh, more expensive and, and not accessible to most people um so he says you know wouldn't it be wonderful to have you know the lower tier the what he calls them the lower tier the poor people to enjoy the same things that we enjoy here in first world countries the problem is that we can't the the uh, the planet cannot sustain that uh, that comfort for everyone so he comes up with this amazing um I think he came up with it himself, really. He says he talked to the top scientists in the talk, and the top scientists told him, you know, the experts told him, he, you really, I mean, there's no other way. Like, he doesn't even take responsibility for it. He said, oh, these people told us that They've we really have it. to get this to, to zero. So the equation, if you, if you have studied any algebra, is CO2 equals people times, no, multiply people by service per person, by energy per service, by CO2 per unit of energy. And he also says, you know, for, um, he said something about it, uh, what is it, each unit gets um, the temperature in the planet up one degree or something like that? Not each unit, well, but I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a, yeah, there's a, in those a breakdown lines. of that. Yeah. But I mean, if you know that you want to get your equal, you know, to zero, <laughs> any of those numbers, 
need to be uh, down to zero, and which one is the the main? Because uh, only only one is driving. The main variable. <laughs> o- only one is driving the others. Yes. Right. The very first one, which is the number of people. Okay. So he has got a lot of flack, of course, for the stock, and they try to explain later. No, that's not what we meant. We just meant, you know, if we people have good health care and they get their vaccines, they're healthier. They don't need to have as many children. You know, yeah, that blew they me away. They spun it in very I, different ways. I, well, because th- this this had been in this video had been floating around obviously for years it came mm-hmm. out in 2010 11 years and and uh um but it wasn't until like literally maybe a year ago maybe, maybe a little more than a year ago i heard it was like a cnn commentator or something was was stating that you know people consume this completely different you know it's known that what bill gates meant when he said that was you know if we do a good job with vaccines he's saying you know uh, uh the people in healthcare, healthcare, healthcare he's saying the people in third world countries they have a lot of kids because they don't think that a lot of those kids are going to make it and so they need to have a lot so that some of them live through to you live on and help them you know work the land and and make income you know for the family and i, I was like oh my but if they're w- not anyone- going to make it then why does it matter, right? Nobody's saying that they, they would have less if they can get their health where that's perfected, right, with the mm-hmm. right cocktail injected into them uh, and other healthcare services. Then they they're going to realize that they don't need it. They don't yeah. need seven kids because the two that they had are definitely going to live. Yeah, and so they. I mean, I mean, is that is that nutty? I mean, can you even believe that person would go on the news and say that? I mean, who would buy that? I mean, that's just it's just. The the person that in another interview says he makes so what is it the returns of one twenty to one twenty to one returns on uh, on vaccines, vaccines yeah. through the global alliance. But I think it's important for to vaccines and immunization. On that same note, we already know that that Bill Gates, you know, he had the issues he had around antitrust with his software company Microsoft, mm-hmm. you know, and and we know what he's willing to do to competition. He was very cutthroat. I mean, this guy mm-hmm. was literally kind of like a psychopath of mm-hmm. the uh, the corporate world, and then all of a sudden he turns into this do gooder, you know, overnight. Almost. Oh, I have a story about that. <laughs> Well, do we want to listen to this clip, though? Just for... real quick. Okay. So, I, I have this joke I tell people, you know, in Brazil, uh, we have corrupt politicians. We all know they are corrupt, you know, and then they are, that's just what they are. And then here in America, the trick is, look like a philanthropist, right? And go and, op- and do these, uh, uh, create these charities, and that's why you launder the money here. So, it's a lot more elegant. So that's what happened with Bill Gates, like at the end of the last century, you know, he, nobody liked him. And then all of a sudden, what does he do? <laughs> there's a PR campaign, and he turns into a philanthropist. And there, there's a great documentary that uh, um, I think uh, Corbett, James Corbett did about Bill Gates, you know, just his background and the whole... Uh, oh, we could link that. Into yeah, we'll the link to that. I mean, that is eye-opening eye to, to say the least. The um, history of his family, his roots... But, but but let's go back to Dr. Astrid Stuckberger that we heard that clip from a minute ago. And let's uh, listen to, this was the interview where uh, Reiner Muehlbach, the, the fraud attorney in his uh, group, was actually interviewing her via a Zoom conference. And this was back in March. And this is what she had to say about Bill Gates then. The, the 2016 uh, third edition. What happened in WHO, but uh, maybe Sylvia, you were, you were there when it happened. Bill Gates, 
was already around. He was already, you know, mingling, saying that he pays so much money. But he became visible when, I think it was in 2017, or you correct me, mm. that he, it's, I know this through my colleagues there, he requested to be part of the executive board of WHO like a member state. Ah. And it's incredible. I was, I said, how can he dare to do this? And they, they went to the vote. The executive board um, uh, meets every January. So, and it changes every year. And the lobby, they try to lobby the, the countries. Of course, he tried to, to bribe. But it's, it's, a, it's really an event because it is not mentioned. Maybe we can get the minutes of the executive board. He, he, they even accepted that he would be considered as a member state because of the money he gives. So this is unprecedented in a constitution of member states. Is he now which, being considered as a member state? Uh, not officially. But unofficially? Not that I know. Not that I know. Maybe there are Unofficially, yes. And that's well, probably because of the, because that's why he has this immunity, right? He, he has total immunity in Switzerland. Okay. Unofficially, he probably holds that kind of status, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I can tell you why it is very suspicious is because I think he has done something with every member state, the same contracts. What I found out with Swiss Medic, Swiss Medic is the FDA of Switzerland, mm -hmm. is um, because I, I gave the paper to a journalist and now I don't even find it. I can't find it. The Swiss Medic has signed a contract with Bill Gates and WHO. Aha. And this is is abnormal <laughs> so, so basically he literally tried to lobby him, himself into the WHO as a member state to basically found the country of Bill Gatistan that's basically <laughs> what he did I mean at that point he would have been basically a one-man country yes he, well, he could be a dictator because he can yeah. influence the but, but the fact that he was not accepted by vote that's why the minutes would be very interesting by vote uh, to be a member state, <laughs> um, he then then started to sign papers for countries. That's my hypothesis because he did it with Swiss Medic. So WHO, Bill Gates, and the country uh, in charge of accrediting treatments and vaccination are signing contracts. So, so and he, he didn't he didn't get in uh, in official capacity. He didn't get voted in. So then he tried to circumvent that and just basically went around the middleman. Well, yeah, how can you, if your country, sign a contract between three signatures, Bill Gates, a country, and WHO, because WHO signs with countries, but not, and even that I find pretty weird. You know, why does WHO have to sign with a country uh, an agreement? I, I don't know. You see, this is a corporate agency doing that, but not... WHO, I, I mean, correct me, Sylvia, but, but um, w, that WHO accepts to have the, a company, a private company, selling a merchant, signing together the three to make the surveillance and to choose the medication. I think that, you know, Swiss Medic had posted it on the website. I think that every country, that's my hypothesis, they have done this everywhere. That's why everybody says the same thing in the train, the same message. Every week there's a, the same thing happening. Tell us. So she says at the end there, you know, that's why you're getting the same messaging uh, from everywhere because, you know, you've got this situation where, um, you know, Gates has tried to 
essentially become his Gabby, own country right? yeah. uh, at the WHO. And even though the vote did not go his way, he seems like he's brokering these deals one off with each of the member states. And so the effective result is the same, but maybe even better for him because it's not formal where it's, you know, out in the open in the, in the books with uh, WHO. Um, but I mean, I just want you to think a minute, a man, a man has tried to get himself planted within a worldwide organization like the WHO as his own member state. I mean, where does that make any sense whatsoever? You know, I don't care who he is. I mean, where where would we give one person the power of an entire country, member state? It's because he gives all his money to charities and they fight poverty and disease around the world i mean uh it's just it's just wild it's really wild and then they were talking a little bit um you know about the immunity that he has you know they can't go into mm-hmm. uh um you know, and Gavi is in Switzerland. And Gavi okay? is the so global. It's, a, no, it's the global alliance for vaccines and immunization. I I think it's part of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They're one of the biggest funders of it. Yeah, and um, they have they they are in Switzerland. They don't have to pay taxes like other NGOs. So and they have immunity. So let's say the Switzerland police wants to come in the building, confiscate computers or whatever, they can do that. So they, they basically can do whatever they want and there are no checks and well, balances. And, and, and Astrid was making the point that uh um, I can't remember if it was in that clip or the broader interview, which uh, we'll try to link to. We've got that on our Telegram channel. So if you have a lot of interest, because it's, it's being censored in a lot of places. But if you have a lot of interest in that, then we'll, we will put the link to the Telegram channel where it's at. But, um, you know, she makes the point that, that other NGOs, which she's worked for other NGOs, mm-hmm. they haven't had immunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wh- why and would And they we, had to pay taxes. And they had to pay taxes. Well, why would this uh, uh, Bill Gates not have... Uh, uh, you know, any liability for any of the activities that they undergo. I mean, how does that scream transparency and we're doing the right things for humanity, you know, when we're doing this cloak and dagger bullshit? I just don't, I I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, it's, it's just one of those things. It's just hard to wrap your mind around it. I mean, what world do you live in? Well, and, and I think where we're at here... It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable, but, but, but I think where we're at here is we don't know the, the whole story here. But I mean, we don't have to know the whole story to know that there's enough stinking pile of shit here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To know that something a foul is a And we didn't even go into uh, the Epstein situation. Well, yeah. We, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. We, we just obviously know that they were um, colleagues. They were, he ran. He, he, flew on the, he flew on the Lolita Express. What was it? Many times. Many, many times. And uh, who? And they also, uh, he gave money to Epstein. He, yeah. He, to, to Epstein. So, and here's the other thing. You know, we already know that, uh, Bill Gates, tons of money, right? Why does he need to... He's in probably every house and every business in America with uh, Microsoft. Why would he need to... And remember, this happened. This investment happened after um, uh, Epstein had um, been found guilty of uh, um, you know, having uh, 
sexual misconduct with a minor. You know what I mean? Uh, so, so I mean, why on earth would Bill Gates do this? It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's why flying would on be this guy's plane. Hanging out with this dude again in so, a plane called Lolita Express. So I think the point that we're trying to make here is. Hey, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. Uh-huh. Okay, one red flag. Okay, let's let's go ahead and, and have a beer. Let's forget about it for the time being. But I mean... And we, he might be a patsy, you know, for all you know. But if we have 10, 15 red flags, yeah. then... Hey, come on! The, the house is on fire here. All right, let let's look at this a little bit deeper, and we're going to go deeper. We are going to go deeper because he's not the only one, right? But 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 I do think that he is what we might call one of the the tips of the spear. Okay, now he's mm-hmm. not the whole damn weapon, but mm-hmm. but but he's one of the. I tips mean, of him the spear. and Fauci were, you know, talking about you know this pandemic can only go away with the vaccine. Well, yeah, I mean, we, the we, whole twenty twenty. We just heard him so many times. He's a medical advice on TV when he's not a, a doctor. I mean, and actually, him and the head of the the WHO, not medical doctors, right? Tedros. I mean, which he's got a pretty shady past himself with genocide, and I mean, there's just just a lot of really damning evidence against these individuals that are making policies for. Uh, I mean, health policies for the entire world. Well, and, and, and uh, Astrid, she also makes the point, you know, that these uh, member states, you know, they sign into the Constitution. And essentially, um, you know, there's some of these dictates that come down. They don't even have to vote on them. They're just automatically agreed to them by being member states in them, the way the Constitution is written for the World Health Organization. And so, you know, they have to live up to these dictates that the World Health Organization pushes out. And so we're talking, you know, sitting here saying, well, why are all these countries doing the same things? You know, why are they they pushing the same mandates and whatnot? Well, it's because they're literally getting their, their barking orders, you know, uh, or marching orders coming down from from uh, uh, this the World Health Organization and and um, and how does this affect the people you know the people like us like individuals I'll just give you an example we're talking about the uh, the the who making dictating you know policy and that goes to the countries and then here in this country we have the CDC that has their own suggestions and mandates and whatever so the school that we are, um, our kids um, are going to decided against the whole county, and, and this is a little silly, really, to mask the children last year, even though the numbers here in the counties here where we live were almost non-existent, and none of the public schools were masking the children, but they decided to do it. And they basically said, if the the county and the sheriff are not going to enforce it, we're going to just say we're masking the children because we're going to follow CDC guidelines. And I mean, the CDC has been doing, I mean, for many years now, hiding data um, on vaccinations. Uh, they've been doing some sketchy stuff, too, and they're really not following science. I mean, they're contradicting their own studies that they cite on the mask situation and the numbers 
I mean, they, they the numbers are one thing, then they spin it a different way. So, so this is just to give you an idea where people are looking up to these organizations to make decisions that affect your health, my health, our children's health, and it's like an excuse not to actually look at the data. It's like this top expert said that uh, we have to get the, the, the population or the CO2 down to zero. And it's always like this obscure, big organization that really doesn't have to take responsibility for, for what they're saying because there are no checks and balances. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's something that, that uh, uh, kind of dawned on me you know, we, we've talked in some of the past episodes about, uh, you know, some of the censoring around like ivermectin and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, hydroxychloroquine. Well, and, and in the line of the, the, the topic of discomfort, you know, that we that we started this out with, it, it was interesting. Um, I was watching the uh, FLCCC, which is the group that, that is really doing the research and, and pushing the messaging out around ivermectin, you know, Dr. Pierre Corey. Um, you know, he had an update video, him and uh, Dr. Merrick, and then they had uh, Brett Weinstein on. And it was funny because they were they were just kind of coming back to, you know, why is this censorship happening? If we really investigate this and, and you could you could it was a video I was watching and and uh, it's just so funny because you could see the discomfort come over their face because they're like, you know, all we keep coming back to is the profit motive, you know, and and uh, and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, these guys I'm pretty sure they know. They just know that if they say it, you know what I mean. If they say that, the, just just like the uh, Great Reset, yeah, uh, they're, they're the people that follow them are just gonna. They they just know that turn that. It. Uh, uh, but you can see it on their face, you know, that yeah. because they literally are having a very educated conversation, and they're like, I don't know, you know, the only thing we keep coming back to is profit, but it. You just wonder, could that be it? Mm-hmm. You know that's 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 pushing this, but that's I mean, all we keep people, coming back to. In reality, these very powerful elite, this part of the one percent. I mean, they don't need money. They can print yeah, money can out print of money. nowhere. Exactly. And know? we're going to talk about they that. They can borrow a zero percent interest while you and I are borrowing a twenty. Yeah. A twenty. You know? They don't need money. Yeah, <laughs> it's not about the money. It's about control Mm -hmm. and in this case what we're uncovering is about population control which is really an extremely uncomfortable subject and i grew up okay in my country of brazil listening to that my whole life the population is huge there's there are too many people we really need to stop having children i mean you see what the policy was in china one child policy back in the day uh which they reverted now because they've opened having, it up yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the pandemic went so well for them they're like yeah start having babies yes yeah, so i grew up hearing this population uh, it has to be reduced. But but let's think about that. Okay, let's say resources on planet Earth are finite, okay? And if we have too many people, it's just not sustainable. Okay, fair argument. That's cool. We got to be willing to talk about it. Yeah. But then let's look at that a little deeper. Who decides? Yeah, who's making the choice? Who stays and who goes? 
because if you who is making be, those be, decisions? Yeah, be, because if you're going to go down that road, somebody's going to make that decision. Yeah. So so if you're if you're saying hey that is a plausible discussion to be having, then you have to say okay well then who is the one that is getting granted with that power, you know? And we've got to determine who that is because we obviously would want that person. If we're going to entertain that conversation, then we want that person to be someone that we trust would actually not be doing that for their own purposes, you know, would be actually be doing that for the betterment of humanity and not to uh, make sure that them and their family have all the resources that they need first and then everybody else gets what's left. Um, but it's, I'm, I'm also going to state that's not my belief. I think the the uh, issues, I think we have technology today that can solve a lot of those world problems. I would agree with that. I think that hunger is not an issue of resources. It's a geopolitical issue where, okay, like people don't know how to plant anymore in their backyard. You know, they don't know how to work in community anymore. Uh, the land has been taken by the elitist. I mean, Bill Gates being the largest farm owner now in America. Mm-hmm. So... That is not what we believe, <laughs> but just putting the argument out there, because I know I was programmed to believe that my whole life, and I know uh, most people in my country believe that. I know my parents believe that. So just for the sake of argument and the sake of being uncomfortable, uh, these are just issues that we need to be willing to discuss and not shut people out or turn the radio off or <laughs> shut the conversation off and and think okay this is too crazy i don't want to look at it i don't want to explore as leo said you know it is important to follow the discussion and explore and understand where am i at and be grateful for what you do have right we don't want to be negativity all the time but we also don't want to be in ignorance you know because this is only going to take us so far and with the pandemic, as we as Leah said, there's no ignoring this. It's in our faces every single day. Yeah, we can't just uh, stick our heads in the sand and then all of a sudden show up at an airport, you know, and when they're wanting to do something very uh, invasive on you, you know, so that you can get on an airplane. Oh, all of a sudden, I have a problem. You know, mm-hmm. well, you know, we we need to get out ahead of these things because uh, you're gonna. And I think because we see. Um, you know, from a healthcare and from a technology standpoint, we see this every day as far as how this is expanding and how this conversation, where this is going. You know, it's a lot of uh, how do we do this, but not should we do it? And, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just pushing forward um, and worrying about the consequences later. So we need to we need to understand, like Catherine Austin Fitz said in that interview, we need to understand what the other side or in this case the 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 very wealthy elite that are you know moving chess pieces around we need to know what they're capable of mm-hmm. okay so we that, need to understand the strategy so we can so that we can we defend. between the lines and now that we're trying to defend we're just this is a great opportunity for us to take back our power we mm-hmm. have said that in several episodes this is not the end of the world we believe i think we both i can speak for both of us we believe the universe is benevolent the answer is in the future and this is a make or break right here 
you know, make or break, make your choices, make your decision, take, take back your power and stand in your sovereignty, you know, your mind, body, spirit sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And be human. You know, yeah. if there is anything that you're being told to do that is not human-like, you know, like having children, like smiling together, hugging, touching, laughing, laughing you know, uh, practicing your religion, practicing uncensored free speech, then it's not, it's not for the betterment of humanity, period, yeah. end of the story. All right. That's it for this episode of the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabi. Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody, stay healthy, stay safe, and most importantly, stay curious. <laughs>